The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, but let me tell you, I'm even more excited for our guest today. He's the director of Investor Relations at PassiveInvesting.com, Mr. Andrew Davis. Andrew, how are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. And listen, thanks for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. I had a blast talking to you right before we hit record. So we went from coffee to real estate to all kinds <laughs> of different stuff. One of these days, folks, we'll hit record on that, but not today. Andrew, thanks again so much for joining. For those that are maybe hearing your voice, seeing your face for the first time, mm-hmm. would love to get your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate and where you've really find yourself these days. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for having me. And yes, I'm Andrew Davis. I am the director of investor relations, passiveinvesting.com. We are a private equity commercial real estate group and we partner with passive investors to buy high quality assets and strong markets. And yeah, so that's that's my that's my day to day. That's that's what I do. But um, but how I got here is I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Hence the uh, the coffee conversation. We have a very <laughs> very very picky coffee people out there, and yeah, just a you know great kind of kind of normal childhood. I grew up with two entrepreneurial parents, and you know I, I was I really really saw they were not great investors, but wonderful people. And both small business owners, I was willing to take risks. And one of the things that I think really was probably just one of those osmosis things early on was that my mom, when I was born, my mom was actually one of Nike's first employees. Crazy, right? That's awesome. uh, Yeah, she didn't, she didn't quite leverage it well, right? I'm not, she's just not, she's not a multi-billionaire, unfortunately, but so when I was a baby, my first two years, I'm just swagged out Nike gear, head to head to toe. But anyways, she was working just a normal job when I was born. And that was a huge priority of hers to A, contribute to the family financially, but then B, to, to be a great mom. And so she actually quit her job and, or no, I'm sorry, concurrently with her existing job, started her own job as a, as a computer consultant, started her own business, pivoted and evolved a bunch of times. And anyways, I just saw both my parents take risks, saw them fail. And then get back up and learn and grow. And, and both of them had you know, very successful small businesses, had the time freedom, the flexibility to go on long vacations, to be present for me. And I think that that was really meaningful for me just as a, as a you know, more before I could ever articulate it or, or really think through why that was valuable. But that's really informed uh, my career and my growth. And so you know, as I was in college and just kind of exploring and thinking about what I wanted to do, I just never fit the kind of employee mold. I, and I and not for lack of trying. So I worked 10 plus years in consumer packaged goods sales for, for fertilizer companies. And throughout, I, when I, while I was doing that, I was just always frustrated by what I would call sort of the, the foolishness or the lack of coherence with incentives. And it was not about how effective you were. It was not about where you're, where you were actually talented and gifted. It was just about do this. If you do this, if you check these boxes, you'll get promoted, kind of play the game. But I didn't see that as a, a game that I wanted to play. And I just didn't, I just never really understood the value there. And I was just always more entrepreneurial. I was always pitching different business ideas and new product lines and innovative ways to do things. And that was generally not of interest to my corporate overlords. 
concurrently with that, again, I mean, this is probably the most typical real estate story ever, but Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad blew my mind, you know, assets little, and liabilities. Little Purple Bible is what we call it on the show. Little Purple Bible. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Well, it's funny. So I have some buddies that uh, they're a little late to the party, but I, but I still love them. And they're all reading it right now. And they're texting me like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm like, bro, I told you this like 10 years ago, you know, it's like take a half a day and read the book. Everyone gets to it at their own pace. That's it. That's but in and, and some of us are slower readers. I'm raising yeah. my hand if for those listening. Uh, you yeah. know, so some of us get to it a little bit late. But if when you do, it is mind blowing. When you do, it's mind blowing. If you've not been introduced to this concept and I and I love him and I love having the conversation with him now and just see him there. Seeing their minds and their visions for their lives expand. Concurrently, as I was doing that WG sales job and just kind of paying the bills, I was learning. You know, learning about real estate and started out investing in single family real estate and really did not have the capital to start out. You know, I, I basically kind of read the book, got super engaged on bigger pockets, started going to local RIAs and it was like, everybody's flipping houses. I'm like, okay, I'm the house. So first deal I found was this is back in 2014 in Orlando, Florida, great little pocket called College Park. And I bought a three, two foreclosure for $92,500, which impossible. You can find a, you can find something for, for twice that today, if, in, especially in this market. And I didn't have the, didn't have the capital at the time to, to take that down with cash. And I certainly didn't have the capital to renovate it, nor did I have the expertise. Basically, I just saw, I read, read a post or something about people raising money and I thought I can do this. And so I hired a designer off of uh, I think off a of Fiverr to design me like a little three-page kind of business plan pitch deck. Sent it to everybody I knew. Put it on bigger pockets and you know talk to some people, friends and family, whatever. And I was brand new. I wouldn't I wouldn't give me ninety two grand either. And at the same time, I had found a con- I had connected with a local contractor, kind of made a deal with him. Said, hey, if I put this under contract, do you want to go? Do you want to split the profits? You do the rehab, you fund it. You know, I'll pay you back your the the rehab out of the proceeds, and then split the profits. Anyways, long story short, somebody last minute on bigger pockets said, you know what? I'll, I'll fund your deal. It was a good, good return for him, pretty low risk. And anyways, he funded it. Contractor agreed to step in and do the work and a total, total failure. Contractor was horrible. I don't even think he was licensed in retrospect. Literally, he told me he put a new AC unit in the property. He just took a, sh- a new shell and put it over like a 20-year-old AC unit. No. Um, oh yeah. Set just set the windows on the frames. Did not even like drill them in. I mean, just just real bad. <laughs> and so the house did not sell because people, you know, even if it got to the inspection point, which he didn't do a great job on the aesthetics, then it, all these things were revealed. And uh, so, so long story short, thankfully I was able to come back in. I paid somebody else to fix the mistakes. Got it sold. Finally, paid the investor back his principal plus interest. And I think we broke even or, you know, made a, made a little bit, a little bit of money, but you know, that's, that was my, my catalyst and my catapult into real estate. And, and I learned a ton, continued to learn, learned a lot doing, doing smaller projects, got to a point where we had 16 units, residential, one small multi, and, you know, not so much a, not so much as an unsuccess story, I would say is just a, I think an awareness to me of how valuable scale is and how valuable working with the right people and, and, and having the right partners is. And you, I think you know this very, very well and what you do and how successful that you've been, Cody. And, and, you know, so what I saw is I tend to be very 
independent to a fault. I'm an only child and I'm like, I can do it myself. I can figure it out myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't need any help, you know? <laughs> and, and I think for me, what I saw when I got to that point is, yeah, I could keep, I could keep scaling this, but it was just like, it was just so inherently frustrating to put so much effort into acquire a duplex or a single family. And then at the end of the day, I'm getting like 80 bucks a month in cash flow or something like that for all the work, all the associated risk, all the, all the headaches. And so it really drove me, I think, to kind of have a, a come to Jesus moment with, with myself and just say, Hey, if you want to, if you want to, to grow to the level, you know, that you can both, both financially, but, but really more so as a human, you've got to, you've got to, you kind of got to squash this pride and you've got to a identify where you're strong, but B identify where you're weak and then look for avenues and partners that can shore up the, that are strong where you're weak, right. That have different interests, different skill sets, different aptitudes. And, and that's how I landed where, where I am today. And again, this is a, this is, this is a, a very condensed version, right. But just being aware that, Hey, where I'm strong is raising capital is, is talking, you know, talking somebody into giving me <laughs> big chunks of money, even though I have very little experience and you know, developing connections with people, you know, and, and chatting with investors. That's really what I'm good at is capital formation, you know, leadership, but logistics, construction, operations, details, not, not so much. And so, yeah, that was, I think that was just the progression of you just kind of get my butt kicked enough times on enough different projects to realize, yeah, this isn't a, this isn't a personal kind of self-improvement thing. This is, I'm strong over here. I'm, I'm weak over here. We're all wired and created differently with certain, certain things we're great at, certain things we're not so good at and, and being aware of that. And then finding in my case, passiveinvesting.com and a great leadership team, a great team around me that, that can, can shore up and crush it where I'm weak. And then I'm able to crush it where I'm, I'm strong. Well, and I think that's an important point. I grew up in corporate America as well, right? Yeah. I had a W2 for the last 12 plus years, corporate sales, yeah. B2B sales, leadership. And oftentimes I think we're taught in a lot of those roles from a self-development standpoint, hey, you know, you're good at these things, but let's focus on helping you bring the things you're not so good at up. Mm-hmm. And where I think it flips its head in business is I can scale faster. Mm-hmm. And what I think I hear and you say is I can scale yep. faster if I partner with somebody or find somebody that can yes. help me in the areas where I'm weak and let me just go run and do what I'm really good at. Yep. And I can work on the personal development side in the meantime. But if I want to go and do and grow, mm-hmm. find the person that complements what you're not good at, instead yep. of trying to develop yourself and develop your company and your portfolio at the same time. 100%. Tim Ferriss has a great quote, and I'll, I'll butcher it a little bit, but basically what he says is the most successful people you see are just really good at are one or two things and have figured out how to maximize those one or two gifts. And they're probably mediocre or subpar at everything else. Well, and I see that over and over again. You look at professional athletes, for example, yeah. some of them are really good from like a, a social skills standpoint or other things, but you don't, you see some people make the jump from like professional athlete to like commentator or sideline reporter or anything in kind of the, in front of the camera, but not yeah. a lot of them. And it's because they, they, some of them don't have, they focus so much on their athletic ability and the skill and the, what it takes to hone that in at a professional level yep. that they, they have to put aside some of the other things that some of us focus on because we don't have those gifted athletic abilities. 
and we're able to focus on those things. So it's, it's a balancing act. And I'm not saying yes. that all, all professional athletes are like this. I think there are a lot of great ones that can do a lot of different things. And some of them go mm -hmm. on to do some great business stuff, yep. but not all of them. Statistically, yep. it's a lot smaller group. And I think what you're talking about is a lot of the same, like just focus in, in what Tim says, like focus on what you're really good at and hone in on that. Yeah. And just go hire or partner the things that you're not. That's it. Yeah. I, and, I, and you also enjoy your life more too, because when you're yes. doing those things that you're really, really good at, my, my wife and I were watching Olympic figure skating last night. And you just like, I was watching their, I was watching their faces and you just see like, they're in that flow state where mm -hmm. like they know, they know that they're crushing it in that moment before the judges scores ever come out. And I think like when I'm doing, when I'm, when I'm raising capital, right. When I'm doing my investor relations calls, I just, there's sometimes I just know, Hey, mm -hmm. I'm crushing this right now. And I don't, I like never feel like that. Like 95% of the time it's like, <laughs> I'm not, there's so many things I'm not good at, but I think that a, you get a lot more enjoyment. B, mm -hmm. you have the richness of partnerships and building something with other people. And then, yeah. Why, why would you spend a lot of time just bemoaning what you're I'm not saying you should like intentionally try to suck at stuff, but I'm never going to be an engineer. I'm not, it would be pointless for me to try to have a baseline understanding. Sure. But if I wanted to do ground up development, I know exactly who I would call. Yeah. Well, that's like a developer, uh, an engineer. Yeah. I absolutely love what my partner and I do. And Jackson it is a huge, huge compliment to what I do because I, I jokingly tell people, I don't know the difference between a hammer and a nail, whereas Jackson mm -hmm. very well and very successfully ran a construction company for 15 years. I don't need, or well, I don't need to know. I'd, I would like to know to your point, have a foundational understanding of how things work and how the GC process and building something works. I'm just interested because I'm inquisitive. Sure. But at the end of the day, that's not my forte. Like it would take me twice as long to learn that and get the experience Jackson did rather than just let him run with that and just That's put it. him in front of that. And then we can shift priorities around internally to alleviate some of the stuff on his current plate so he can focus on that. Why not leverage that skill set if you already have it and you're an expert in it? Absolutely. So, Couldn't agree more. Oh, man, Andrew, I, I probably we could go on forever on this kind of topic. I appreciate you coming on and being so open and honest about this. I, I yeah. love it when folks like yourself who are super successful do, because I know it's not something we typically do on other mm. types of shows and content. So uh, I really appreciate it for those that want to work with you, want to work with passive investing, want to mm. learn from y'all partner with y'all. Where's the best place people can find you at? Passiveinvesting.com doesn't, doesn't get any simpler than that. Or, you know, I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. That's kind of the only social thing that I do. So you can, if you want to just reach out to me directly, it's just my name, Andrew at passiveinvesting.com. And but yeah, I would love to love to chat and assist partner with your audience in any way, any way I can. Absolutely. Well, folks, yeah. definitely hit Andrew up. If you got anything, any questions around multifamily, anything they're doing at Passive Investing and your coffee questions, he'll answer those too. Uh, <laughs> so Andrew, I can't thank you enough again for joining us today. I really appreciate it, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Cody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And hey, everyone listening and watching at home, we appreciate you too. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.